You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about how generational differences are affecting sales professionals and doing a deeper dive on entrepreneurial success, as well as the largest challenges that these new companies face. So it's a a lot of heavy topics today, but we're going to be guided through this by Joseph Fung, CEO of Uvaro and host of the Seller's Journey podcast. Joseph, thank you for taking time and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Chad. This is going to be such a fun conversation. It's a topic that's dear to my heart, so I'm looking forward to digging in. Excellent. Excellent. So we always like to start with a kind of an off-the-wall question so our audience can get to know you a little bit better. And that is, you know, hey... Everybody probably has a perception of you from your work life, your digital profiles, things like that. But I'm always curious to know what's something you're passionate about that those who only know you from that work angle may be surprised to learn. <laughs> um, so some of my work colleagues know this already, but I'm really passionate about electronic music. Uh, on the side, I produce some electronic music. It's completely embarrassingly poor quality, but it's a lot of fun <laughs> and, and it keeps me, me sane and healthy on the side. Ah, awesome. How did you get into that? I mean, I've always loved electronic music and music has always been a part of, of my life growing up from piano lessons as a kid, jazz bands in high school, and I'm a programmer by training. And so getting a chance uh, to merge the music and the development is, it's just a delight. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So let's jump into the topic of the day. And it's a big one. And it's, it's I've actually seen it coming up in many of the conversations or workshops that I've been doing with clients is this concept of the generational differences that we're seeing in sales mm. and, and the changes that are necessary. Like, so if in order, I'm a kind of macro to micro guy. So when we start to think about the generations that we're dealing with in a sales environment today, would love to get your perspective on just how you describe them, describe the differences, maybe in a powerful and accessible way, concise that will give everybody some context. Totally. I mean, the big one is when we talk about it, there's really two sides to it. There's the buyer side and the sell side. On the seller side, we hear it all the time. People say, hey, you know, am I, am I too old to get into tech? Or, you know, I've been in this industry forever. How can I switch over? And the really big thing that I emphasize and our team does and we see successful is that that experience, the generational differences, translates into industry and buyer experience. So the, the really good example there is I was talking to the head of sales. They sell uh, tutoring platforms. So they help you know schools, tutors, trainers find customers anywhere. And they have a great sales rep, young guy, super high energy, really, really active. But he's not a parent. He, he hasn't had to, <laughs> to find tutors for his kids. He, he hasn't had to struggle with like work from home, study at home, homeschooling. And it's a journey for him to learn how to work with those buyers. And so when we talk about generational differences in sales, it's not teaching old dogs new tricks or, you know, young is hungry. It's it's really about how much industry or industry and, and lived experience is necessary. And that's really where we emphasize. 
And I, I like that we're not, you know, going to the typical, you know, boomer, Gen X, millennial, Gen Z kind of thing, right? It's I If you look at kind of how the both sides of that journey have changed, my experience has been it really mirrors the societal change that, mm-hmm. that we're seeing. So it's an increase in authenticity, an increase in respect, showing somebody you've done their ho- you've done your homework, you know how to look at the world through their eyes, maybe a little bit more effectively. What problems are they facing? That's different than a, you know, if we go back to what I would consider more of a, a true relational sale, like we trust this guy, we have, have him over for dinner, that kind of thing. And it's it's definitely a spectrum. And And I think to your point, changes based on the industry you're selling into and what you're selling because of that industry maybe a little bit further ahead or a little bit further behind. Does that seem like a fair assessment? Oh, 100%. 100%. And I love that you called out that I, I didn't answer with the labels because we see this. If as soon as you say, hey, you know, I'm, let's think about the buyer side. Hey, I'm going to sell to boomers or Gen X or Gen Y. You get this very confrontational you know, perception. And as a seller, that doesn't help you at all. <laughs> right. it's like, hey, can you imagine hopping onto a sales call and like wrapping it up with an okay boomer? No, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> um, but, but if we want to make a really, a really relevant example, that idea of it relates to societal changes, let's take a look at a really, um, you can't see my, my finger, scare quotes, boring industry. Let's say we're selling into HR. Uh, and you know there was a generational change in HR tools and software practices. And so, yes, someone who has been in HR before, who maybe is, you know, a a boomer or a Gen X, or they've been in that industry for a while, may have bought legacy payroll and HR software. And in that space, a systems change is the most miserable thing (laughs) ever. Like, if you ask someone, hey, would you rather change your payroll software or drive in a car with five kids from Minneapolis to Orlando? They're going to pick the car drive every time. But on the flip side, someone who's been in the industry for a shorter period has maybe only purchased payroll or HR software in the last couple of years, might have bought a more recent platform, and those platforms integrate really well. They switch really well. And so the idea of buying something more experimental where the cost of switching is lower, yeah, that's less threatening. They're buying it and you know, more like marketing might have bought stuff. So yeah, if you're selling to someone in that HR space, it's not about you know generation you know, X, Y, Z, it's about what was their lived work experience. And if you train your sales team to think about what was the lived experience of the buyer and meet them where they're at, you'll sell cross-generationally way easier than anyone else. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so now the awareness part of it, the mindset and the awareness that, that I think is required of sales professionals has definitely increased. I think we'd say it's probably increased in all industries mm-hmm. uh, for that inclusive, you know, inclusion um, and being diverse and understanding that you know, nobody has any right to judge anybody else. And we, we need to be living in a, in a mindset of respect. Those are kind of high level concepts when you think about it. But then there's this com- this question of how do we make those real for organizations that want to scale? So when it comes to a startup who's, you know, finally getting to the point where they're going to have to actually put together some outbound type of or, or team type of sale, how do you advise organizations in a way that will allow them to consistently advise or develop their teams to have this awareness and understand the subtlety of the change that's happened in the sales profession? It, totally. I mean, the two things I would point to, the first one is talk about it, like talk about that idea of empathy. Even, even if you've got a you know homogenous team, it's you, know, you, you hired 
a bunch of college athletes who came out and figured out how to sell. And so they, they were all on the same team and the same, if you talk about empathy, meeting the buyers where they're at, that's going to help a lot. So start with that. The second thing though, is the actual composition of your team makes a big difference. And I spend a lot of time with startups, founders, CEOs, and the big thing I ask them to remember is don't think about culture fit, think about culture ad. So you've probably documented your values, documented your culture, or in your head, you know what you want it to be. When you go out and you're interviewing, yep, cover the basics. Can you use the CRM? Do you know how to sell? Can you can you objection handle? But then also ask not how does this person fit our culture, but what are they going to bring to our culture? Like a good example, one of our, our sales reps is a strict observer of Ramadan and, and they're starting to fast. And that makes it really tough to maintain your energy through the day. And if you simply took a culture fit perspective, like, hey, can someone keep a high level of energy all the time? They might not make the cut on that interview. But at the same time, this individual's much, much more sensitive to those cultural and faith-based adherences. He's very soft-spoken, super respectful, and is consistently at the top of our leaderboard as a result. And so challenging yourself as a head of sales or a founder to add to your culture all the time is a tough piece of humble pie, but makes, <laughs> makes a big difference. Oh, it's a huge difference. It's, I mean, it's a huge difference. And, and you bring up a really good point and something you said, you know, many companies will document, here's our values, here's our mission statement. And, and those guiding lights I think are, are important. I just listened to, uh, the secret sauce podcast about Airbnb and their tagline being belong anywhere. Right. And, and I, that's cool. I get that. And I think that gives everybody nice context, but the way each individual in an organization interprets that is going to be different. What does that mean to them? So I wonder, have you ever seen an organization where they've come up with the values and the, and the approach and the mission statement or, or a vision of their culture where it's actually backfired on them because it has become it's become kind of confining in some sense. Well, it's funny. I don't think I'd point to anything where I'd say it's backfired because even even the most contentious value statements can be leveraged in the right way. Like, like I'll, I'll point to an example. You look at Amazon's leadership principles. It's a great filtering mechanism because you, you know if you want to be there or not. And in one of their leadership principles is leaders are right a lot, which really, <laughs> it, that sets up a certain expectation for what the management culture is like and the leadership culture is like. And like we both chuckle because we can both see how that'll be misinterpreted, but like clearly it's working for them. What I would point to though as mistakes is very often founders and leaders frame their cultural values or lessons from their lens. I sold my, my last company to NetSuite and great, great company. In so many ways, their company was the type of company ours was growing up to be. A couple of their values, though, you know, one that stuck out was skate where the puck is going. Well, well, that assumes you you know what what hockey is and and how that goes. <laughs> uh, another one that really stuck out was the idea of we take the hill. And it's funny because I hired so many people who never heard the phrase "take the hill." And you, you think about that the military connotations, the combat connotations, that sense of the hero. And, you know, we had folks who were amazing employees, you know, who came from, uh, you know, Nordic countries or came from Europe or came from Africa. And, and you ask them, hey, what do you think this value means? And they're like, well, well, hills are challenging and they're steep. So, so I guess if we, we fall back down the hill, we climb up again. <laughs> it's, it's totally valid, but clearly the company values were a confusing thing in that environment. So, you have to be really vigilant. You can't just take it for granted that writing it down gets the message across. 
Gotcha. And so when you when you think of the actual having to put this into practice, right? Mm -hmm. The sales, there's a lot of things that sales professionals have to do today. I honestly believe to stay at the top of their game. First and foremost, they have to constantly be feeding their head. They can't live in a bell jar anymore. Mm -hmm. Although, I mean, I guess that's a totally different podcast, but we could argue <laughs> social media creates a bell jar. And But anyway, in terms of the things that people have to do and getting them, you know, to execute, how do you help, you know, values and that kind of stuff sets kind of the North Star. How do you help organizations understand kind of the foundation of accountability, performance-based culture? You know, how are you working with the sales leaders in these startups to set the foundation so that they can have the success in the timeframes that they want? Yeah, I, I mean, a large part of it comes down to the actions that you have your managers do because your reps are going to emulate them and and use those as the the kind of guiding light. Not just what you write down on paper or stick on the wall, but what you have them do day to day. So two big things, two big things I encourage sales managers and leaders to do. First off, recognize people when they're living those values. As sales leaders, we recognize people when they close deals. You know, they close challenging deals, they hit quota, they exceed. We do that. You don't have to advise managers to do it. They'll just do it. <laughs> but recognizing people when they live the values, that's really important. Like, like one of our values is honesty. And to us, we talk about being honest is not just don't lie, but be complete in your truth. If you, you disagree with the direction, bring it up. So we know we'll learn, we'll do better. We encourage our managers to spot those. Hey, if someone's giving uncomfortable feedback, you're telling an uncomfortable truth, call it out, recognize them, share that. Because that's how people know that that's the behavior to emulate. So that's the first thing. The second thing, and this hopefully is nothing new to the, the sales leaders who are listening, is carve out time for practice. You know, half day a week, couple hours twice a week for practicing your role play, your cold calling, objection handling, listening to calls together, supporting that peer coaching and doing it collaboratively. And that, like you said, feed the brain. You have <laughs> to institutionalize it because if you don't, it doesn't happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you think of, I mean, we've all, you know, we're all come, hopefully coming to the end of this lovely pandemic that we've been dealing with. I'm curious if you've seen any changes in the ways you feel like startups have to approach their entrepreneurial nature, their scaling. Is there a change? And we've seen some companies that have, you know, I mean, just exploded. Any of the e-commerce companies exploded because everybody was stuck at home and we were mm -hmm. all ordering stuff online. <laughs> but is there any change you've seen that you think is going to be one that will go beyond kind of hopefully the, the tail of this pandemic that you would highlight for anybody who's listening? Oh, for sure. Uh, I mean, the big, it, depending on your industry, it's obvious or it's a surprise. And that's the, the geographic diversity of sales teams is exploding. So we crawl job boards to see what open sales jobs there are. That's how we help our, our grads, you've our grads land jobs as well. Out of the 124,000 open sales jobs right now, 55% of them are looking for remote hires. That, that's a powerful number. That means you're selling remotely, you're competing with people across you know, the, the continent. That's a new reality. That's tough. In the workplace, that means you're going to have, yeah, there'll be some teams who go back just to that boiler room, open floor, there's going to be some who are just entirely remote, but the majority are going to have a hybrid where you've got that floor where, yes, you could sit calling beside somebody, selling beside someone, but a large part of your workforce is going to be remote, hoteling, or just never on site. And that's a, a difference. That means you have to be more proactive as a seller to build your relationship in your team. You have more autonomy and accountability. Like It can be hard. 
to be a remote employee if you're not used to it, especially if your partner's a remote employee too, and they're on the phone, you know, just across the room. So it's that idea of your team being dispersed is the new norm. Not that offices will be empty, but you will have remote teams and you've got to be comfortable with that. So when we think about all of these changes that people have to deal with, there's another one that that is, I think, impacting the way human beings connect, and that's this virtual environment that everybody's mm-hmm. in. I'm hearing a lot of people talk about, I don't know how to engage in a virtual environment. I don't know how to sell effectively in a virtual environment. Uh, is this something you're seeing and hearing teams struggle with as well? Oh, all the time. I mean, we run a program that helps sales professionals sell using remote technology. So yes, we do see it all the time. The part that's really surprised me and I suppose with the the fortunate beneficiary of this trend is we're seeing a lot of industries that historically weren't remote selling switching to it. A good example, we had one solar company that we're working with. They used to go door to door, look at buildings that had big roofs and then go and knock on the door. And then because of the pandemic, they can't do that anymore. So they're looking for people who can use, you know, Zoom, use Vidyard, use all of these remote selling tools. So I think we'll see more and more companies that previously eschewed technology being forced to adopt it. And and that's exciting for sales reps who are looking to learn new things and, and keep their skill sharp. Awesome. And if you were to think about kind of what's going to happen, I mean, I don't, nobody likes to make predictions anymore because <laughs> 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 we never know what's around the corner. But when you think about what the trends are that you're seeing as we move through 2021, I can't believe we're already into Q2 moving towards 2022, what are the biggest trends either for sales professionals or startups that you would want them to keep an eye on or be prepared for that maybe the current pandemic type situation is keeping them um, distracted from? Absolutely. Uh, The big one is kind of an equalization of, of talent. Over the last few years, we saw a lot of disparity, regional disparity in the, the caliber of sales talent. You know, you'd see Areas that had, you know, really great, well-recognized firms like Canon or areas that had, you know, a high density of startups like uh, the San Francisco area build a lot of high velocity, very experienced B2B talent and in other geographies, you know, suffer from that because of all of the remote work and because of the number of teams that are letting their own employees move remote and relocate. We're seeing this huge diaspora of sales talent and also a huge equalization of, of companies. And that's interesting, both from a compensation perspective, because we'll see more equalization of that, but also a little bit scary from a talent competition perspective, because now <laughs> you're not just competing with your neighbors, you're competing across the country. Absolutely. All right. Perfect. So um, let's change direction here a little bit. I ask all of our guests kind of two standard questions towards the end of each interview. The first is simply as a revenue exec, that means you're a prospect for, for mm-hmm. a lot of people out there. And I'm always curious when somebody doesn't have that referral into you, that trusted reference or, hey, you really should talk to this uh, person. How does somebody effectively for you personally capture your attention and earn the right to time on your calendar? The big one is anchoring on something that I've publicly said I care about. It, this shouldn't be a surprise to sales professionals, but you know, calling up somebody with a CEO title and just assuming you know what they care about is a is a quick way to to get your email tossed into the junk folder. But we make public comments all the time about what we focus on, whether it's personal, like hey, electronic music, or you know, <laughs> professional posts about what we're hiring for, what we're working on, and. If you anchor on that and you leverage that, it's clear you're listening to me and you know what my business is about. And that that gets you that first call, absolutely. 
Love it. Okay. And last question, we call it our acceleration insight. If there was just one thing, one piece of advice you could tell sales professionals that you believe if they adhered to or listened to would help them uh, achieve or exceed their targets, what would it be and why? Totally. Uh, you've got to add a metric that you're probably not tracking. You're probably already tracking time to close, but you need to start tracking time to lose and get that number as short as possible. Oh, every, I love that. Yeah, every rep has crappy deals that are sitting in their pipeline that they hope against hope will close. And you got to get those out. Stop wasting time. So get it to close lost as soon as you can and keep your pipeline lean and clean. <laughs> oh, perfect. Joseph, is, if a listener's interested in, in touching base with you, talking more about these topics uh, that we've touched on today, where do you want us to send them? To LinkedIn, a specific website? Where, where do you want us to direct them? Totally. Uh, I mean, they can always hit our website, Uvaro, U-V-A-R-O dot com. Uh, and we're on most social media platforms as Uvaro Life. Uh, and they can also uh, hit me up. I'm on LinkedIn at Joseph Fung. Perfect. Joseph, I can't thank you enough for being on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure. My pleasure, Chad. This was such a great chat. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody, that does it for this episode. You know the drill, b2brevexec.com. Share it with friends, family, coworkers. Write us a review on iTunes if you like what you hear. Until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.